at practice we're at invent have you ever had to mutter those famous words that's my cable colossal cable is taking that question out of the equation by offering monogrammed cable ends now your colossal cable can have your name the band name or whatever you want it to say on the protective sleeve to make this an even sweeter deal the new soul pads cable featuring a silver and copper hybrid cable is the new kid on the block bringing your tone to the forefront and taking your sound to the highest quality ever www.colossalcable.com and put in your order for your monogram sulfat cable and take your tone back is yours colossal you're listening to an interview previously recorded for radio broadcast all right hey guys it's the animal and i've got none other than greg chasen the basis extraordinaire from badlands kings of dust and countless other things that he's just really put his hands into and greg how you doing man i'm doing great how are you and if I was any better, it'd have to be two of me. Well, <laughs> I'm going to just leave that right there. <laughs> Most people do. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, it's great to have you on. Uh, you know, this is going out on uh, my Facebook page for Big Hair Ocalypse, and it's also going on Masters Radio. And then, you know, whoever else decides they want to listen to my dumbass talk, and then <laughs> we'll, well go that's there. Kind of been, that's kind of been uh, the MO for me as well, so. Exactly, exactly. So, hey, man, okay, let's go back. You guys started Badlands probably around, what, 87? Um, I, I think that's when Jake started auditioning players in 87. I came on board in 88. Okay. Although I, think, I believe I auditioned in 87. All right. The first, the first time, but I think I was actually in the band in the beginning of 88. Well, awesome, man. So, okay, so Dreams in the Dark hits the radio waves. And it's not played that much because, well, let's just say that uh, some people were blocking a lot of what Jake was trying to do and not mm, getting things I'm, out there. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. I, that's not, I had never heard that before. Uh, I, I've heard it through four or five different program directors that, you know, they were like, well, if you play this, then we're not going to let you play this. So it, it was just a, a crap storm at the beginning but then everybody started listening to what Jake had to offer because Jake's a phenomenal player and enter in this whole new, I'm going to call it a super group because you guys were phenomenal. I mean, just the, the blues, the, the classic rock sound that brought everybody back from the flannel era of music. Well, I mean, when Badlands first came out, um, the, it was different than what Jake had done in Ozzy. So if there was any blowback from that, maybe that would have been it. I don't know. I mean, we didn't really have to deal with the flannel era until the second record came out. Yeah. was when all of a sudden the whole uh, Seattle thing was starting to really happen. But when the first record came out, you know, um, there was a bunch of bands that were all saying they were going to do this seventies kind of thing. And uh, we were, probably the one that stuck to it the most. Right. Exactly. And well, the thing, the thing I always gravitate back to is when the, the, the flannel era hit and it took a lot of musicians out of the picture and, and really destroyed big hair metal and, and things of that nature. Badlands punches it right in the gut with fire and rain. Yeah. Well, we weren't really, (laughs) we weren't really too worried about whatever trends were going on. We always just kind of did what we did and didn't really spend a whole lot of time worrying about it. Although I will say that 
when the second record came out and we were on tour, we were doing an in-store somewhere in the Midwest and there at the record store, there was a lot of these uh, wall hanging things hanging from the ceiling of uh, the latest Nirvana album, I think. Right. Uh, and there was a lot of publicity for that. And I remember Jake and I actually talking about saying, yeah, this can be actually pretty weird. And sure enough, it, it turned out, I mean, everything runs its course anyway. I mean, apparently hair metal and, and, and all that whole genre had been around for a good 10 years at that point. And it's, if you say start in 1980, 1990, it was starting to fade away and the whole GIT, you know, Guitar right. Institute of Technology, everyone's a shredder. I mean, uh, there had to be some kind of platform for guys that didn't want to, that couldn't go to GIT, that didn't want to be shredders. And I think uh, bands, you know, Nirvana and that whole thing, that whole style of it, whether it's that or Soundgarden or whatever, they were kind of the anti-hair metal bands. And image-wise, that didn't bother us at all, uh, their image. At, but, I mean, we were still going to do whatever we did, regardless of whatever the musical trend was. I mean, we weren't really a hair metal band to begin with. Right. Well, no, you, you guys definitely weren't. You know, every time I... I... I hear Badlands. I hear that '70s influence, or even you know the late '60s influence. Absolutely. You, you know, uh, I mean, I, that I, was the the whole idea, uh, the whole premise of getting it together is Jake's influences go back to a lot of '60s stuff, and certainly a lot of '70s stuff. And so there's a lot of bands that he was influenced by, that all of us were influenced by, that he wanted to kind of you know, see where that would take us. And we all kind of, you know, fell in lockstep with him as far as what his idea for the direction of the band was. And so it was uh, just kind of a natural thing for us to do what, do what we were doing. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I grew up in the great state of Kansas. So, mm -hmm. you know, we had, you know, always had Kansas to fall back on. Dude, that's, that's ours, you know. Right. But when, when you... When you really dissect, the, now this is the, this is something that actually happened. Uh, some friends of mine had a band that were out doing you know club dates and stuff like that, and the bass player they were doing dreams in the dark. I'm like, dude, you're playing it wrong. He goes, what? I said, no, you're, the bass lines, you're you're playing them wrong. You're getting you know get off that e, just listen to the <laughs> song. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, well, no, that's what he's doing. I was like, dude, no. And you guys were actually coming into town. Uh, a couple of weeks later and I bought him a ticket and I paid a little extra to be right in front of you and like, watch him. You're, you're playing it wrong. <laughs> That's interesting. And so, you know, the, the music that you guys created, even though, you know, everybody sat there and he goes, man, just the way it starts off with that, that E and it just, you know, just goes into this grind. And I'm like, but you're not listening to the song. You're, you're not listening to every part of it. You know, Eric Singer had an incredible drum line in it that people just think it's a four four. No, no, dude, check it out. Because I'm I'm a music geek. I I delve into it really deep and go, okay, this is how we dissect this. So, and now we got these great tools from YouTube that we can, you know, isolate the bass line or the drum track or or whatever. Right. And man, that wasn't available back in the day. <laughs> no, I mean, if you would have. I mean, could you imagine if you two had been around back when 
when uh, I first started playing. I mean, back when I first started playing, you took a roll of quarters and you stuck it, you set it on top of your record player needle to slow the record down so you could try to figure <laughs> out what John Entwistle was doing. Exactly. And and still you were kind of like, I think this is it. Yeah, but it's in the, yeah, it's in the wrong key. I mean, Bad, <laughs> Badlands covered a lot of different ground as far as influences and, and there's a whole lot of different things in there. And and while Eric certainly is more than capable of laying down a great 4-4 groove, it, Badlands also allowed all of us to kind of, you know, interpret the music the way we wanted it. So, you know, Jake was always very accommodating as far as, you know, if you listen to something like the drum, the drum beat of Devil Stomp. Right. I mean, that's just a crazy drum beat that no one else could come up with but Eric. And... A lot of bands wouldn't have allowed someone to write someone something like that. But Jake was always like, you know, whatever whatever Eric came up with, he was fine with it. Whatever I came up with, whatever Ray came up with, we all just kind of threw it into the mix and and it ended up being, you know, Badlands. And and that's was really the perfect it was the perfect storm for all of us because, you know, it allowed us to kind of step outside the box and uh really explore what it is we wanted to say and do musically. And that's all basically kind of because of Jake's ability as a band leader to allow the musicians to be themselves and also just the interesting intricacy of the music. Right. Well, and in and, and all fairness, Jake is a very cut dry person. He's not going to sugarcoat it. He is not Willy Wonka. Nope. And nope. from, from watching uh, things that, that he's done, uh, guitar clinics and things like that, he, he'll sit there and he'll go, okay, well, this is where they F that up. This is where yep. they F this up. This is how it's actually done. And you're like, oh, dude, <laughs> really? And, you know, I, I keep going back to Fire and Rain because that is, even though it was, it was a cover, that is one of my favorite tunes of all time. You know, it, it's just one of those timeless classics. And then when you guys reinvented the wheel with that and put your own stamp onto it, it made it even better for me. So thank you guys for doing that one. Interesting part about that song. And there's a couple of interesting parts about it. Okay. But, uh, but one of the things about it was that um, Atlantic wanted us to record a version of Vandenberg's Burning Heart, which is a great song. But yeah. it, it had just been out a few years prior. And, uh, we didn't want to, you know, do that particular song, although I do think we would have done a pretty kick-ass job of doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, they were saying, well, we need to hear something that's kind of ballad, you know, rock ballad sort of oriented. And uh, Jake's whole idea was, well, we have this, you know, Fire and Rain song and, you know, James Taylor song. So we did that instead. Hang on, this us here a second now. Uh, so as a matter of fact when when we had we had to send it to james taylor's uh powers that be and he actually asked us not to record it really he sent a letter asking us not to record it he didn't want a rock band recording it he he thought the song the song was very personal to him it's about a really traumatic time in his life and he just didn't want a rock band to to mess with it and of course you know in true badlands fashion we said yeah bite me and we did <laughs> we did it anyway so i mean i think it's a great take on the song the original idea behind the song is we used to do never do our own songs in soundcheck okay so we would do maybe a few minutes of 
winter's call so Ray and I could get our vocal harmonies or lack thereof down. <laughs> and uh, then we would just do covers. And so we were always doing fire and water by free. Okay. And, and uh, Ray, at, at one point, he said, hey, let's do fire and rain. Meaning he meant to say fire and water. So when he did that, we just started right into it and played it <laughs> kind of almost like the arrangement you hear there on, on the record. Yeah. And so we were doing it for maybe a couple of weeks at every sound check. And we decided to stop because uh, some of the other bands, Great White and Tesla and some of the other bands we were playing with thought it was a very cool version as well. So we thought, you know, let's not play it anymore. And, and that way maybe they'll, forget about it and you know we want to put it on our next record and we didn't want anyone jumping the gun on us so right we stopped playing it and so the intention was even before jeff got in the band this is still on the badlands first tour was to put fire and rain on the second badlands record <laughs> that's awesome that's a great backstory so well now uh speaking of you know bands like great white i'm i'm good friends with uh, mitch malloy the mm-hmm. new front guy and great singer oh, dude eddie van halen hired him you know <laughs> right you can't be half yeah, bad I, I, I remember that now yeah uh i don't i don't think i know him but i know you know we, right we we know the same people right well, yeah he's just a, he's just a great guy and uh you know we all discussed you know what's going to happen once they uh open everything back up you know this this covid thing man it's got to go away eventually uh, do you guys see yourself touring or anything? One way or another, it's got to go away. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, we had a whole, as far as Kings of Dust, you know, our record came out. <clears throat> we had the uh, unbelievably bad fortune of putting our record out on March 13th, which is the day they uh, announced that COVID was a pandemic. So, right. you know, we have that we have that going on for us. <laughs> and... Uh, so we had a bunch of touring plans. Um, we've never actually played a show. So we were, you know, going to do a few local shows. There was a show uh, in Tempe, I, I mean, in Tucson, that we were going to go down and open for somebody. And I can't remember who it is now um, through a DJ friend of ours here, Mike Gobby. And so there was a number of uh, things on the table. We had a, about three weeks worth of shows going through Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. There was some stuff back east, a couple of shows in Florida possible thing to Japan even a couple festivals were offered to us overseas to go play at and all that went sideways so we never managed to go play a show so you know what happened with us you know we had this record that everyone seemed to like and rather than sit there and keep rehearsing this record for the when eventual whenever it is time we can go play a show we decided to just start writing songs for a second record so um yes we want to go do some shows and and i would be thrilled to i'd i'd love to go back to japan someday and and i just like to go put kings of dust out there it's a great band all the guys incredible yeah great players jimmy taft great drummer um ryan mckay great guitar player uh and singer he's an excellent singer as well and then michael beck my kind of partner in crime we've been doing this kings of dust in different versions iterations of it for eight years so you know it's had different names and different players but um him and i have been kind of the forefront pushing the, pot, pushing the pile forward on this for a while so um you well, know, if you ever get to would, dallas man i have got to check you guys out 
Uh, I'd love to come to Dallas. Actually, I'd like to move to Texas. I keep telling my wife I want to move to Texas. <laughs> I always no, you I don't, do. dude. <laughs> does, your co- does your company have an off- office in Texas? Let's move to Texas. I love Texas. Because that way, if I moved to Texas, then I could just talk like this all the time, and everyone would just think that. You're that natural. I like, and, I, and actually, if I moved to Texas in about two hours, I'd be talking like this, and people think I was from Texas my whole life. Well, you got the hat for it, right? <laughs> More than one and, and 75 <laughs> pairs of cowboy boots. See, there you go. Well, you know, uh, was it the, the last part of April and May 1st, uh, that weekend in there, I, uh, there's the uh, Dallas International Guitar Show. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, dude, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Dude, I, I am so stuck. It got canceled last year. This and year, it's probably going to get probably going to get canceled again this year. Oh, dude, don't say I, that. I think I think I, I don't know because you know uh, no one's told me specifically, but I would be surprised if anything happens in 2021, and if it does, it would be at the very tail end of it. Yeah. I think a lot of people are now planning 2022, and uh, as a matter of fact, one of the shows that. You know, when we we had this promoter that was booking us through Texas and Oklahoma, one of the shows was at a place in somewhere in Dallas at a club. I don't know exactly where, but so we would have been through, you know, yeah, Houston and Dallas and San Antonio and maybe Austin and, you know, uh, Corpus Christi. And there's so many. I mean, you could spend a whole six weeks just touring in Texas. Yeah, without a doubt, because this this place, I mean, is the largest state in the union and. They know I, I, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to spend six weeks touring in Texas. I can go look at cowboy boots and eat barbecue and be great. Well, speaking of barbecue, dude, you're talking to a barbecue. I used to compete in barbecue. Really? Company. Yeah. So, you know, when you make your way this way, I will fire up the smoker and I will throw down some stuff that you'll be like, okay, let's do this. Now you're, t- now you're talking. <laughs> you're talking. Well, now, uh, with Kings of dust, I, I noticed that going into the whole music side of it, 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 it is, is so, and I don't want to say retro, but it's so refreshing for that later sound. Uh, well, it is, it is kind of retro in a way. I mean, um, similarly to Badlands, you know, Jake's approach was to use all of his influences that he, everything that he ever wanted to do, Right. Every, you know, he was going to use them. And, and that's very similar to how I was doing stuff with Kings of Dust is, you know, um, I have my hand in every one of those songs and, and uh, in, in more than just a small, you know, portion of it. Hang on one second here. My dog is. Go, go on, go, go, go. I got a bulldog, and when he thinks no one's looking, he likes to sneak into the kitchen and try to eat off the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a um, 15-pound Rottweiler. There you go. It's actually a Havanese poodle, but she thinks she's a Rottweiler. I was going to say, that's a small Rottweiler, 15 pounds, but okay, whatever. (laughs) But um, so when when we were writing Kings of Dust over the course of uh, the eight years, it's been kind of in different forms. Some of those songs, whether it's – wolves or like an ocean or ugly or whatever they go back to the very beginning and then there's stuff all on there as well like mama and uh upon reflection and what's the other that are more were more written right before the recording of the record but um all that stuff 
I mean, when you're making a record, you know, and you don't have to uh, deal with a record company and, and what they want, you basically do whatever you want. So whatever yeah. crazy ideas we could come up with, um, we kind of got to do everything we wanted to do. The songs are not two and a half minute, you know, uh, vignettes of uh, what was going on at that at that moment. They're, they're four to five minute long songs. There's a lots of solos and time changes and different directions and right. You know, you think you're going left and now I'm going right sort of thing. Exactly. So every, much like Badlands, everyone is allowed to say what they want to say in that material. They they get their, whatever their musical idea is, is represented. Whatever Jimmy was thinking about in, on the drums, he pretty much got to do what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, same with Ryan on the guitar and same with Michael, which is one of the reasons the band is so special to me is because they could take it any way they wanted, but they also did it within the spirit of the song. So rather than go completely, you know, rather than, you know, Jimmy going completely off the page and saying, I just want to write the craziest drum beat I can. He, he instead wrote a great drum beat that fits with the music of the song. So the song always had priority. Yeah. But within that, everyone got to really kind of, be who they are, say what they want to say, be represented from a musical perspective. And that's, that is the, if people, a lot of people say what's very reminiscent of Badlands, well, it's not intentional um, because I could never replicate what we did in that band. But what it is, is just the same kind of musical spirit and kind of like direction as far as everyone being able to you know, again, say what they want to say. And, uh, and, and I thought we achieved that pretty well. Absolutely. I, and I, I just, I just love the fact that you guys are so personable. You're not, you know, the, I really don't want to throw any names out there, but you're not uh high mighty of yourself and think, you know, well, this guy here is an idiot because he's blah, 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 blah. No, you guys are like human beings. If that makes well, sense. I've never been accused of being a human being before, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, you know, the, the thing about it is um, none of us have a big ego or attitude about it. Um, there's no money involved in these kind of things. It actually costs us money to put it out, even though we've sold a fair share of these. Um, it's not like we put a bunch of money in our pocket. Right. Um, we just kind of put it aside for the second record. And... Um, so, you know, no one comes into this with, hey, man, you know, did you see me play over here the other day? People thought I was really good, you know, so you need to, you know, kind of get out of my way. None right. of us have that sort of thing. So everyone kind of, you know, we get along really good. Everyone understands what we're doing. We, you know, if you've seen any of, any of our stupid videos, you know, there's a lot of cutting up of, you know, just us joking around. And that's kind of what we bring to the table i mean we're serious about the music but we also want to have a good time while we're doing it and yeah. that is kind of the human quality of it so um jimmy's one of the best drummers i've ever played with um and can play any particular any style that you want to hear whether it's fusion or funk or country or whatever um he can play all of it and the same with ryan yeah um but they understand what it is we're trying to do here. We all have a hand in the songwriting process and um, everyone is kind of uh, 
loyal to what the song and what we're is we're trying to do which means that you don't have to deal with someone's attitude you know hey exactly. my girlfriend told my girlfriend told me i'm the best bass player you shut up <laughs> well you know i do have to say this um I, I i've seen badlands in kansas city and i was one of the geeks hanging out you know just you know trying to get an autograph and uh you ray and jake were going out of the building to the bus and you guys actually stopped and talked to all of us. You guys were not big headed. And I know you guys had a hard night already. Um, and it was just one of those nights of, you know, I, I want to get some rest now, but you, you guys made time for everyone. And that was pretty awesome, man. Well, I mean, and you know, that was part of the, to me, that's part of the drill. I mean, you know, I remember back in the days when I would go to concerts and, and uh, the the musicians that I met that treated me well, and would stop and and uh, give me the time of day, I always remembered that and I respected it. And I also remember the guys who treated me like crap, who would you know I could have been on fire and they wouldn't even bother to, you know, throw a glass of water on me. So right. I remember both sides of it. Uh, I had an experience when I was younger. Uh, Humble Pie was playing here. And Smokin' was the album that was out, and Humble Pie's my favorite band. So they were playing at a place called the Celebrity Theater, which is a theater in the round. It's about a 3,000, 4,000 seat. Okay. And the stage, rota- st- stage rotates. Nice. And backstage is underneath it. And um, they were the headliner, and I think it was Loggins and Messina, King Crimson, and Humble Pie. So I was there with a couple of my friends. And... It, um, Right before the second band went on, which I think was King Crimson, I told my friends, I said, I'm going to try and get backstage and, and meet Humble Pie. And they said, yeah, you're going to get your ass thrown out of here. <laughs> so they were moving stuff from the opening band off the stage down underneath where the backstage was, which, like I said, was underneath. So I grabbed a, a drum case and walked backstage with it. <laughs> and I'm just walking around underneath the arena or the, uh, the venue. And uh, all of a sudden, Steve Marriott comes out of his dressing room, singer from Humble Pie, right. who's all, who's all of like five foot four. And I don't have, I'm not carrying the drum case. I'm just kind of wandering around trying to figure out how am I going to, you know, where are these guys at? They must be here. And Steve Marriott comes out. He, he looks at me and he says, you're not supposed to be here all you might. And I said, nope. And he goes, what are you doing down here? And I said, I came to meet you. And he looks at me for a second and he says, well, come on in. And he opens the dressing room door, grabs me by the arm, pulls me in the dressing room. The rest of the guys in Humble Pie are eating there. They're having barbecue. Nice. They invited me in to have barbecue with them. So I sat back, you know, in their dressing room for 45 minutes having barbecue with Humble Pie. And then they gave me a backstage pass, a laminate, and a and a pic and a photo, and I went back out right before they came on stage. My friends thought I'd been thrown out, and I come walking back in, and they said, "Where the hell were you?" And I've got my backstage pass, and I've got my autograph photo, and they're like, "You're kidding me!" And I said, "See this barbecue sauce on my shirt? This is barbecue that I just had with humble pie." So the long the long and short of that story is. I know what it's like to be treated like a human being or even better by musicians. So, you know, that I really admired and liked. So when Badlands or regardless of whatever else I've done, when people want to make time 
um, to talk to me or whatever. Or, and I know Jake and Ray were the same way. Yeah. And so was Jeff. So was Jeff. Um, we would always make the time. I mean, it, that's the reason we're playing somewhere is because those people are there. So uh, I've always been very uh, <laughs> enthusiastically receptive <laughs> to whatever the fans have to say. Well, now real quick, I got I got two of those for you. So, okay. um, Slaney, Kansas, the uh, super guitar misogynistic tour comes through. That's you know Steve Vai, uh, Zach Wild, Ingve Malmsteen. Mm-hmm. Just you know, a great show. And being in radio, I I had some hats I was going to throw out. You know, with the with my big hair eclipse jargon on it and all that crap. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm backstage. And Ingve walks past me. I said, Hey man, how's it going? He looked at me and he just turned and walked off. I'm, he's having a bad day. I'm going to give him that. So no, that's the way he is every day. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. So I, anyway, I, I hand one of the hats to Zach wild. And I said, here you go, man. I was like, dude, I would appreciate it. If you'd send me a, a picture of you wearing this, here's my card to email it to me. He goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, hold on a second. He goes over to Ingve and he goes, see that guy over there? He's in radio. He can make or break you. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, sweet. Then the next one, I'm standing in Kansas City at uh, Sprint Arena. Kiss is getting ready to do their sound check. And Gene Simmons walks past me. I said, hey, man, how's it going? He goes, oh, pretty good. He goes, let me guess, you want a picture? I was like, yeah. He goes, you know, it's 1500 bucks. The check's in the mail. He started laughing, and I hung out with him the whole night because he's like, dude, you have audacity to say checks in the mail. And <laughs> uh, Gene, Gene's actually a pretty he, – if you if you can catch him off guard, yeah, then he he appreciates that. I mean, I know him some just I know him because of Eric, and also he produced a couple of the Keel records, and my brother played bass in Keel, so I know Gene a little bit. I wouldn't say we're friends, but right. Um, uh, when they were doing the Kiss when they were touring without, they had just started doing the makeup again. Okay, and oh wait, or was it? Was it maybe without maybe it was without the makeup, but they played at the state fair here, and I brought my son, who was like four years old, uh, to go see to see them because I was friends with Eric at that point. Right. And so uh, we went backstage after the show, and my son had sat on the sounds up on the sound stage at the, uh, I mean on the soundboard while they did the show. It was actually a really cool experience for him. And my son's 29 now, so he's like four or five years old. And uh, we went backstage afterwards, uh, and I said, I'd been to a couple parties at Gene's house, and I, same with Paul, I kind of knew Paul peripherally. And so I was just saying hi to everyone. And so Gene is like, uh, my son's back there, and he's guiding his, he's holding his Eric Singer drumstick. <laughs> and uh, Gene takes it, and he starts balancing. Gene has in, uncanny ability to be able to balance anything right. on his face, on his head, on his shoe. So he... First, he picks up a, a lawn chair kind of thing, like a little plastic backstage chair, and he's balancing it on his chin. And if, and he's showing my kid, and he's going, can you do this? And, you know, of course, my five-year-old son thinks that's kind of interesting. And so then he takes my son's drumstick, and he's balancing it on the, on the end of his toe with the stick straight up. So he's balancing it there, and he says to my son, Cole, he says, can you do this? And Cole kicks it off of his shoe, and Gene goes, yeah, he's a chase on <laughs> so i mean you know i i suppose mo- i mean ingbe's a douche no matter what day it is i i have more than my fair share of 
English stories. He's just not, he's just a miserable person. I don't know why he's that way. He just is. Um, and there are other people that don't have any time for anybody but themselves. And I suppose they read too many magazine articles about how great they are. I don't know. Um, but I think most musicians, if you catch them and they're, and, and they're not in some kind of bad mood, their wife didn't leave them. They just found out they're getting audited by the IRS, whatever. Right. I, I would imagine 95% of them are pretty accommodating. And it's been my experience that that's the case. Most of the people I've met have been totally cool. And some of them, not yeah, so very much. Small, well, a very small amount. My favorite bass player, John Entwistle, blew me off at the NAMM show. Oh. And uh, he got a he got an earful from me too, and uh, and uh, but for the but he's still my favorite bass player. Right. I don't know. Maybe maybe he was having a bad day. But on the same day, Jeff Beck treated me like we'd been friends for like twenty years. So yeah, eh, six well, to it, one half dozen of the other. But and what was interesting is was when I met Zach Wild, I actually had my copy of the movie Rockstar, mm-hmm. and I said, "Dude, will you sign this?" He looked at that and he goes don't remind me of this piece of shit. He goes, yeah, I'll sign it. (laughs) Zach's a pretty nice guy. I've only met him on a couple occasions. Obviously we have, you know, um, Robert Mason who sings in warrant is one of my best friends and he's known Zach for a long time. And he's all, you know, he's friends with Brian Tishy who played in Zach's uh, pride and glory and all that. So there, there's a, you know, seven degrees of separation, whatever between everybody that is in this business. So I kind of have, met Zach a couple of times and he's always been kind of like Zach. And that's, I appreciate that. People always say when they meet me, Oh, you, you seem to be just like who you are. And obviously Zach's bigger than I am, but the people that I've met, they they say, well, you seem so down to earth. And that's just kind of cause I am. Yeah. Well, you know, Zach's actually kind of a short guy. Yeah. And so when I first, the first time I met him, I'm standing there and I look down at his feet and I look back up and he goes, what? And I go, are you standing in a hole? He goes, no. <laughs> he seems he seems so much bigger. Until he does. But, you know, it is what it is anyways. So, okay, let's geek out for a second here. I know you got some things you got to get done today. On stage, is it the SVT or are you going with the modeler? Uh, I am going to bring, I have two SVT heritage heads. I'll be bringing those. But, and I'll be bringing probably three or four eight by ten cabinets. Right. But. I will bring a Fender Rumble 800 in my case as a spare in case the tubes decide to act up. So I will have one of those as a spare. And actually that Fender Rumble 800 is a pretty damn good amp. So oh, yeah. if, I, if I was going to uh, use something as a backup, if I couldn't use tubes, I would have no problem using that. We have them in the store. I run a guitar store, Bizarre Guitar and Drum in Phoenix. Stop in the scene. Shameless plug. That's yeah, it. Stop in and see. Come and get your Kings of Dust CD from me. <laughs> and uh, so I've had pl- a lot of time to mess around with the Fender stuff, and it's good stuff. Awesome, man. Well, you know, so many of the bands nowadays are going to Kemper Modelers. and uh, Yeah, I'm not doing it. Yeah, Tom Barnes, you know, 38 Special. Mm-hmm. We were talking, and, and I was like, I was like, man, where, where's where's your stage at? And he goes, oh, he goes, look at this. We go back behind where his guitar rig is, and he goes, it's a Kemper modeler. It goes just the front of the house, and it's perfect, and it's like fresh tubes every night. And I was like, but it's not, it's not rock, dude. That's not a Marshall. 
<laughs> I actually, I don't like those. I, I'm a, I agree with you. I mean, it doesn't move any air. So if I'm on stage, I got to ha- feel some air moving behind me. Exactly. Uh, you, you saw Badlands. We were friggin' loud. Oh, Jesus. It was like at 12 every time. And that's the way it was when I, I played in Red Dragon Cartel for six months um, before I got cancer. I was in the band and did, I don't know how many shows we did, maybe 40 shows. And while it wasn't the same volume as Badlands, it was still pretty damn loud. And I, yeah. I'm not, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Jake isn't going to be using a modeling amp anytime soon. No, I don't, I will never see that happen in my lifetime. And, and I, I know Anthony uses SVTs as well. Yeah. There's just something you can't, I don't care how convenient it is. Rock and roll, whatever, isn't supposed to be convenient. So right. It's supposed to be about an attitude, about a sound, about whatever. And so, you know, I think you can only get that from a real amp. And if that makes me a dinosaur, I'm fine with that. Exactly. Um, now, I, I, I played real quickly. I yeah. played with this guy. I played in this short-lived Elvis, heavy metal Elvis thing where the guy, where it's like, you know, Metallica songs and Van Halen and, and Ozzy songs with Elvis lyrics in it with a really good Elvis impersonator. Nice. And we did one gig. We did New Year's Eve last year in in 2020. And the guitar player used one of those uh, modeling. I don't know if it was a Kemper or a Boss Katana or whatever. That's what he used. Yeah. I hate. I hated it on stage. I had to have a monitor, a little speaker cabinet, with him coming through it because I couldn't hear him because yeah. I couldn't hear him through the monitors. Yeah. I just thought it sucked. And uh, uh, if the band hadn't broken up. Uh, that guitar player was going because he just didn't want to move a cabinet. He, for some reason, he just couldn't find it in his whatever sack to, uh, <laughs> to actually move an actual four by 12 cabinet. You know, here I am, I got two SVTs, two eight by 10 cabinets uh-huh. on stage and, and I'm moving them on and off stage myself and he can't move one four by 10. He's got to have his little toolbox amp. Yeah. I hate it. I hate well, it. I, it. It doesn't sound <laughs> It sounds kind of like everything and exactly like nothing. And when I'm playing live, I want it to sound exactly like whatever it is we're doing. Well, see, I was approached by Kemper. Uh, I do a band camp. Well, I used to do a band camp in central Kansas for kids uh, to, to learn how to play instruments. And so we did bass, drums, guitar, vocals, keyboards, the whole nine yards. And I taught every one of the instruments, okay? And wow. Kemper came up to me and they said, hey, we want you to use these modelers because you're helping kids. And I was like man, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. They go, well, what are you using? I said, I'm using, you know, uh, Blackstar HT50 club heads and these uh, great, great crate, stuff. yeah, crate 412 cabinets. They go, crate? They're not even around anymore. I said, yeah, I know, but these certain cabinets have eminent speakers. I'm going through this whole list with them. And they go, just try it. And I'm like, all right, cool, I'll try it. So I, I dialed in the modeler for the head I was using, and I was like, there's no punch. There's, there's no That's attack. Great. And I, I, I sent it back to him. I was like, nah, man, sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> it doesn't move any air. It doesn't. No, it doesn't move any air. I mean, um, there's just something to be said for being on stage. I don't give a shit whether the sound man, whether it's easy, easier for the sound man to mix it or not. And the, the sound man should ought to bag up a little bit and yep. figure out how to mix an actual live band. When I was in Badlands, we had Night Bob, who... Uh, who's like this legendary guy who'd done Kiss and Ted Nugent and Aerosmith in the 70s. So when we were out with Great White and Tesla, they had very limited stage volume. We had ridiculous stage <laughs> volume. And those other bands would be, man, we wish we could do that. And I'd be like, 
doesn't your sound man work for you? Right. Exactly. You, I mean, I don't give a crap if it's not easy for the sound man. When I was in Red Dragon Cartel, we were doing a show in, in New York City early on in the tour. And uh, the sound man came up to me and said, hey, you got to turn down. I said, fuck you. Right. And, oops, sorry. And <laughs> he, right. so he went over to he went over to Jake and said, hey, could you get your bass player to turn down? And Jake said, no one tells Chase on to turn down. And he goes, and don't bother telling me to turn down either. He goes, this, the name of the band is on the marquee, and this is how we play live. And that's how we played live. He goes, well, it's just hard to mix you guys. Yeah, I don't care. Figure it out. Well, you get a you get a paycheck, earn it. Well, now they're using these boards that are like an an, an, an iPad thing. And, yeah. and I'm like, dude, no, where, where's the, the 32 channel board that runs the yeah. front of house? And then the 24 that runs the, the monitors. So where's the real stuff? Oh, we don't use that. Dude, I'm out. Yeah. I like when they walk around before the venue while you're doing your sound check and they're like sonically setting the room with their little <laughs> iPad. And it's like, you know, if I could turn up my amp loud enough to blow the iPad out of your hands and make it hit the ground, I probably would. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, could you imagine if Zeppelin or Hendrix or can you imagine telling oh. Sabbath, hey, you guys got to turn, imagine telling Eddie Van Halen, you guys got to turn down. Yeah, you must be in mistaken. Right. Yeah. Did you, you land on your head or something? No. Kings of Dust will be the same way. We'll, we, we'll, we'll play with volume. Ryan uses a Marshall stack. It's a real Marshall stack. Nice. Um, I'll still use my SVTs. Jimmy just ordered new drums. They're big drums. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to go out and, you know, I don't put on uh, the big rock show. We don't have a lot of pyrotechnics and any of that kind of crap. I'm going to kind of go out and do what the bands that I admired from the golden age of rock, <laughs> you know, what those bands did. Yeah. I'm going to do that. What Badlands did, what Red Dragon did. Kings of Dust will do the same thing and um, we'll, you know, get away with as much volume as we can and see how much, uh, how many people can I can get put their fingers in their ears while we're doing our sound check. That sounds great, man. I'll be there. Hey, so I want to touch on this a little bit. You are sure. a cancer survivor. Yes, I am. What kind of cancer did you have, man? Stage four tongue cancer. Really? Mm -hmm. Squamous cell sarcoma, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, wow, man. Well, yeah, that's how I ended up out of a uh, uh, red dragon cartel. Is I was, you know, I, we did a tour and I was sick the whole time and I don't ever get sick. I'm kind of a health nut. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I've never smoked. Wow. So uh, my one vice is I, I eat dessert, but, um, <laughs> but I was sick a couple, I was sick the whole tour. And then I even actually kind of almost passed out coming off stage after two shows. I was actually delirious. Oh man. And I didn't know why. Well, then we were getting ready to go on the road in April of 2015 and my lymph nodes were swelling up. And um, so I wasn't sure exactly what I had. So I called up Jake and told him I was quitting. And I didn't tell him why, because I didn't, I just said, it's my job. Right. But I, what I, I didn't want to tell him that I was quitting because of some cancer thing, unless I knew I actually had it. And because of the way insurance works these days, I was having a hard time getting anyone to give me a definitive answer. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, had I went on this tour, which was starting in April and going all the way to October, I wouldn't have bothered to go to the doctor. Not while I'm on tour. It's, you're too busy. You're on tour. Absolutely. And uh, so um, I quit. Finally, about three weeks later, I finally got a definitive um, 
diagnosis that I had stage four cancer. And at the time I had between eight and 11 months to live oh, if I man. didn't get it taken care of right then. So within three days, I was in the hospital having my lymph nodes removed on one side. And then in July of 2015, I went through, I started, uh, I don't know, two and a half months of uh, chemo and radiation. I had 41 doses of radiation in my mouth, 15 oh. chemos. So I've been cancer-free mm. since October. My last cancer uh, treatment was October 4th of 2015. I've been cancer-free since then. If there's some wood here I can knock on, hang on. I got you. Here we go. There. And uh, I could knock on my bulldog's head. I'm pretty sure that's wood. <laughs> and uh, uh, no, don't start sending me a bunch of letters about my bulldog. We love our bulldog. <laughs> Um, well, and you know, I, I actually had colon cancer at the same time you had, uh, your, your tongue cancer. Wow. Well, and I got, uh, man, I got really lucky. Uh, they took out a third of my colon. So now I'm a third less asshole. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. And yeah, they, he says there's not a silver lining. That's right, man. <laughs> you should have seen me before this. <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? Oh, <laughs> uh, but you know, the thing is, is. I was one of those guys that was like, dude, I'm never going to the doctor. I'm not, they're not going to run a camera up my butt or nothing. You know, we're not, we're not doing that. And it's a guy thing. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, I got past the stigma after I got tired of crap and blood for three months and went to the doctor and, and they're like, well, this mass here, we have to take out. And it wasn't a week. And I was, uh, in Wichita, Kansas at the hospital getting this crazy surgery done. And, I'm I'm so glad to hear when people beat cancer because cancer sucks. Well, I always tell people cancer ain't for sissies, uh, dude. And, uh, <laughs> any kind of cancer, any can, any kind of cancer is terrible. And and both my parents died of cancer. Um, I mean, uh, it's just one of those kind of in in the world today. Your chances of getting cancer are better than not getting it, so you should get checked out and make right. sure that everything is working right. And if you do get cancer, um, and you, I'm sure you'll agree with me, attitude is everything. So if it you, is. if you think that it's the end of the world, it might be. If you think like I did, or probably like you did, you know, screw this, I'm going to knock it in the head, um, and I'm going to just deal with this and get it taken care of. And then I'll just, you know, was quitting Red Dragon Cartel a drag? Absolutely. I mean, Jake's yeah. my best friend. But um when you have other things you have to take care of and then i'll worry about whatever come comes next i mean i'm i think it's possible someday in the future i don't know when there's no timetable jake and i could play together again but in the meantime i'm having a good time just being alive i got, I got an extra five and a half years with my family i get yep. to watch my daughter go from 16 to 22 yeah and um you know, uh, my son is getting married here soon. I'll be around for that. And I get to have Kings of Dust, which, <clears throat> you know, is one of the most fun things I've ever done. One of the best bands I've ever been a part of. Right. And, you know, cancer kind of, I say the same thing. I'm, I'm after cancer, I became a, a, a kinder, gentler Greg Chase on. And it puts you in perspective, say, doesn't it? It does. But then people will say, you mean you used to be worse than this? <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Can you imagine what that'd be like? 
<laughs> but it, it does it it does put everything in perspective because you have to kind of look at the bigger picture. Whereas you know, I'm I always was just the kind of the guy that plowed ahead and what if you were in my way, you better get out of my way. And you know, I was kind of one of those kill them all, let God sort them out yep. kind of people. And it made me kind of step back and go, you know, um, you're not immortal, and if you want to spend it, you know, be around for a good amount of time and you know watch your kids get married and have kids and grow old with your wife and have a great band like kings of dust and all that then you better get your head out of your butt and, yep. and, and figure out what what it takes to do that and i had to actually do that well you know i i've always had the dream of, of doing the big hair eclipse i it, this has been something that's been in my head for years and years and then when i got cancer i was actually uh, doing radio cells for a radio station they fired me because i didn't have to take off too much time Wow, how so, how considerate of them. Yeah, no dick move there. But anyways. <laughs> Karma for them, anyone? <laughs> Actually, they've been sold three times and they're going under, so there you go but around comes around exactly so i'm i'm i actually went to the the last station i worked at before i moved down here to texas and i was i was with them for a couple years and i said hey guys i said i got this idea i do a band camp and i want you guys to help me promote it and this has been like the fifth year that we'd done the band camp and they were like oh yeah yeah and i said i was talking to the gm i said why don't you have a big hair metal show on here and i was just thinking you know like d show or or Ricky Rocket right. Show or whoever. He goes, well, because you haven't done one yet. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're giving me a green light? And so October 5th, three years ago, I started Big Hair Ocalypse. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, a dream come true for me. And it's after the cancer thing. I was like, man, I'm going to start pursuing everything like my hair's on fire. We're just going to do this. So well, and that's, what, that's what you should do because there's no guarantees. And, you know, when you're going along, you know, and you're a dude and you're thinking everything, you know, you think you got the world by the tail and everything is going great. And then cancer comes along or whatever, you know, it could be some, yep. it could be COVID now. It could be yeah. whatever catastrophic thing comes along. Um, it makes you realize that there, you know, you're not going to, you know, life is finite. So you have to kind of deal with it. And if there's something you want to do, you should go do it. I mean, the thing that you, you've got to do this, you've probably got to talk to a lot of, pretty cool people and oh yeah and, uh, and i'm sure that you know i'm sure i know a bunch of them and i'm sure that uh you know in the business that we're in especially the way music is now being able to have someone do what you do which actually helps promote whatever it is we're doing or whatever the musician that you're dealing with is doing that's a plus it's not a negative right and if people don't understand that, then they're in the wrong part of the business. I mean, not everyone can do the big rock show anymore because there's just actually no one can do a big rock show right now. Right. And if this isn't a wake up call to a lot of people that may or may not have had bad attitudes that didn't have time with for their fans or their public or whatever, you should you should pay attention now because life as we know it from a musical perspective, if it ever comes back to the way it was. It, it'll be a while. So we're going to have to deal with it some other way. You're, you're and, not wrong. And you, and you know, the people that pay for those tickets and buy the CDs and do the downloads and all that kind of stuff, they're more, they're the most important people there are in this business. And we should appreciate that. You're absolutely <laughs> correct. Well, I'm not going to keep you going here because we could, we could talk for days about just everything. Cause 
let's face it, the world's in a big shithole right now. <laughs> it's it's in flux, that's for sure. Uh, flux, shit, say, it's all the I, same. I did, I did say flux, right? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to, to talk and to talk uh, about everything, especially... Uh, you know, Kings of Dust, and if, oh, yeah. if any of you or any of you people are interested, you can find us uh, on. We have a Facebook page, Kings of Dust. Uh, we have a website, kod. dot band. Um, so, if you wanted to get an actual CD, T-shirt, all that kind of stuff, we do have that, and we are downloadable on iTunes, Apple Music. So, uh, nice. Kings of Dust, check it out. Uh, it's loud. Play it loud. If you like, if you like kind of that vintage 70s no rules sort of hard rock we just might be the band you're looking for absolutely and like i tell my you know we we did a little contest and uh not too many people got involved because i don't know why but whatever but we have a new slogan now with big hair oclips and it's united we rock and well, there you go that is where i want you know kings of dust to be uh, you know, all my friends, you know, uh, the guys from Great White, the guys from Striper, all these guys, you, we got to get united and we got to make this thing happen. So let's hope for 2021 to be uh, lifted a little bit and we can do some shows. Yeah. But until then, you know, we, we got all these resources available. Go online, check out Kings of Dust, go to their website, get a T-shirt, get a CD. You never know if you order the CD and say, please, it might get signed. You never know. Well you absolutely you don't even have to say please you can just say hey chase on you mean prick can you sign this for me and i'll sign it <laughs> awesome well i'm actually going to send uh you and the guys uh we're getting some new shirts printed up so I'm, awesome. i'll send you guys some big hair shirts and uh you guys can represent in the arizona area we'll do it awesome man i appreciate that well great man it's great talking to you i wish you nothing but the great success with kings of dust you guys are phenomenal and I can't wait to hear more stuff. It's just, it's blowing me out of the water. Well, I appreciate it. We're going in the studio. I think it's either March or April to start record number two. So by the time we do hit the road, we'll be able to uh, be playing stuff off of uh, both records. And that's what counts. The dual record. Something's got to count somewhere. Dual record sales, man. You can never go wrong. You can't. (laughs) Any record sales, you can never go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, thanks a lot, man. And hold on just one second. At practice, we're at Invent. Have you ever had to mutter those famous words? That's my cable. Colossal Cable is taking that question out of the equation by offering monogrammed cable ends. Now, your Colossal Cable can have your name, the band name, or whatever you want it to say on the protective sleeve. To make this an even sweeter deal, the new Soulfats cable, featuring a silver and copper hybrid cable, is the new kid on the block, bringing your tone to the forefront and taking your sound to the highest quality ever. www.colossalcable.com and put in your order for your monogram Soulfat cable and take your tone back. Is yours Colossal? Take the weight off your shoulders. Cable Free Guitar wants to help you carry your guitar. I know from personal experience, most guitar straps are designed just to hold your guitar. Not anymore. Cable Free Guitar Zero Gravity Guitar Straps have changed the game with their new strap design to help you feel more relaxed. And speaking of freedom, there's a reason why their name is Cable Free Guitar. They also have a wireless for guitars that compares to the big boys without the big boy cost. But don't take my word for it. Go to CableFreeGuitar.com and check them out for yourself. Four patterns, two sizes that will get your shredding back on top of the game. Not to mention all the other great products they have for 
for your guitar. Cable free guitar, zero gravity guitar straps and wireless systems. Put in product code ATM5 and get 5% off your total order. Take the heavy out of the guitar and put it back in the metal.